Welcome to Watch This Space, the podcast about future of work. Every month, we bring you insider perspectives on how digital transformation, emerging technologies, and generational change are shaping the future of work. We are two analog guys finding the groove for all of this in today's digital world. I'm John Arnold, and these trends are my focus as an independent technology analyst in my company, J. Arnold and Associates. And I'm Chris Fine. I'm an independent consultant and strategist specializing in workplace technology, IoT, and security. My company is Integrative Technologies. Hi, John. Hi, everybody. Welcome back for another month. Another month. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Chris. It's uh, we are getting to warm weather, and I, I it's time to get my snow tires off. It's uh, still a little chilly here, but I think we're past that point, and that's. Uh, that's a good sign. I think we're also hitting the midpoint for uh, year five here on the podcast. Are we really? Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, we go steady, right? Yep. Steady, steady. Every month. Here we are. Absolutely. So we are going to talk this month um, about a couple, a couple of, we'll pick up on one th thread from last episode. Um, and then we're going to get into something a little, uh, little, a broader focus, and you'll understand what I mean in a moment when we get to that. But first, Chris, I think um, we wanted to kind of this is almost like an ongoing commentary, but really like the state of hybrid work. And we, um, you know, I can't remember if it was the previous or the one before that podcast where I had been recapping some themes from Enterprise Connect, which was in uh, March. And you know, one of the one of the kind of like the buzz topics around that event was the state of hybrid work because uh, that particular event, you know, we'd been away from it as an in-person event for a few years. So this is the first time people were gathering in person, and that's kind of the main thing people wanted to talk about: how are people doing? Where are they going with it? And clearly, it's it's just a work in progress. Right, and it's. I don't think much has really changed. But um, what are you seeing, kind of latest and greatest? Well, I, I would say a couple of things, John. Number one is just the ongoing reluctance of people to come back to the office full time, even though. Uh, and, and by the way, again, I have to add the standard disclaimer: we're talking about people who have the luxury of working at home. Uh, we're not talking about, or the option, I should say. We're not, so we know that there are many workers who sort of have to be where they have to be. Uh, but we're talking about more uh, sort of the knowledge worker workforce uh, and the office-based workforce. And uh, it, what's interesting is that, uh, you know, even though attendance is picking up, it's still significantly short of um, where, where it was pre-pandemic. And so... It's going to be interesting to see. I think a lot of companies are kind of wait and see about what action they're actually going to take with respect to real estate and other things. But uh, you're just not seeing the mass return to work for five days a week, at least in most areas, uh, which is which if it persists is going to really drive some changes in terms of uh, how much office space companies have and how they use it. And the second point uh, is that there's there seems to be more and more reason to believe that there really is going to be a change in uh, 
the design of interior space uh, in in the in whatever real estate uh, is is remains right. So uh, there's there's evidence that people are not coming in and sitting at desks or cubicle positions for long periods of time. They get their work done, they leave. Um, and uh, also, even when desks are hot desking, which is more and more common, you know, hoteling where you don't have a fixed position, there still end up a lot of desks that are not being used. And so that begs the question of how do you reconfigure space? And there seems to be some emerging view that uh, you really need to make it more open, you really need to provide more conference roomy type spaces for when people want to get away versus uh, versus the kind of traditional work position or workstations. And that also, if that continues to be a thing, and if it starts to grow, is going to be significant in terms of a lot of areas of technology, like communications, IT, networking, security, a lot of things. So it is a watch this space, but uh, it's and I will say that my opinion is, and I could be wrong, it's one person's opinion, is I think it's doubtful that it ever comes back to, for many, many people, if I go, you know, just go into the office every day. I don't know what you think about that. I mean, I could see going in two, three days a week, but I don't see every day. Yeah, it's this, to me, it's this thing about the, you know, the personal space, right? Because whenever, you know, pre-pandemic and when People were in office, you know, every day, every week, every month, every, you know, year after year. You know, we, we you you have your personal space when you're there because that's your desk, that's your cube, that's where that's where you do your work. So it becomes a little bit like your home away from home, right? Where people, you know, they 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 have their space carved out and they make it theirs and they put up their pictures of their kids and you know, and they decorate it with odds and ends and it feels, you know, they put their stamp on it. And, and that's, I think, again, that's also one of those subtleties about workplace culture, right? That you are part of a collective group of people that you work with and, you know, socialize with, but it's also your, you've got your own private space too. And, and, and that's what makes it like your place to go because now you have a reason to be there. But you're, yeah, as you're saying, Chris, you know, if that all goes away and it is, you know, I, I could see that happening for a lot of reasons. Yeah, there's like, there's less attachment, right, to the culture, obviously. And it, it begs for a different, you know, use, as you say, use of the space, because now there is no personal space, because, you know, we don't have a, a desk where our stuff is, right? And when people, when people uh, are terminated or they resign or whatever, you know, what do they have to do? They have to take their stuff and be escorted out of the building, whatever. And so, uh, it, you know, that space reverts to somebody else. But, you know, for a lot of people, those little cube corners have been their little home for years and years. And now it's like, well, if that's gone, like it's, it becomes much harder, I think, to feel that connection. Another, you know, I, I, before we went on air, Chris, I was mentioning some of the stuff I'm experiencing in Metaverse right now with uh, Oculus headset for an event that I'm tracking. And one of the things I found really interesting when you set up your kind of parameters with this, to it, you define it by where you're going to be physically. 
In other words, if you're going to be in a stationary space or you're going to be sitting or standing, <clears throat> and for the range of how the headset operates, you have to define it. You have to mark out a territory. Like a, it's like setting up a zone, right, in which your headset will function and, you know, have that 3D kind of interaction that, that you're, you're, you're looking for. But as soon as you move out of that space, everything goes away. And so it's a very kind of, it's a very fixed definition of these are your boundaries and this is how you do stuff. And if we start moving more and more towards these virtual models of working, uh, I think we're a little ways out, but the seeds are there. I think that's, that, that makes, the, I'm just making that connection between how we mark our space in a, you know, when, in a workplace where we're actually going to be settled and doing things. That makes us feel comfortable, right? And we do our best work when we're comfortable. And here too, it's like, okay, well, we're going to be working in a virtual world. It'll also be the same idea where you kind of mark out your space and like, this is your zone kind of thing. And, and you can set up blocks to say people cannot enter this space. They can only interact with you at a, a distance. You can control that. And um, I, I think these are, these are little norm, behavioral norms that will evolve and will have new ways of interacting with people and collaborating with people. But to me, that virtual thing is just an extension of, well, how do offices reconfigure their space? And I wouldn't be at all surprised to see some of them eventually start to incorporate spaces that are built to accommodate these kind of metaverse type of experiences where the, where the space you're in physically is set up in a way that allows a lot of people to kind of work with these headsets on but not get in each other's way um, but also still be physically in a similar space at the same time. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, we're, we're mixing these worlds of physical and virtual now and, you know, there's no right answers, but I, I'm just bringing that up, Chris, because I do think that, you know, if you're planning long term, you have to be thinking about both environments. I agree. And I can actually see a real use case that's come right out of the current situation. You know, I, I have, I'm not sure what I think about broader full move to the metaverse, because I I don't know. I mean, it may happen. I guess this is where I'm an analog guy again, and it's hard for me to think about. But I do see one instance where it would be really interesting to apply this technology because it's one of the biggest current problems with hybrid work, which is to say meetings that are mixed, right, where some people are in the office and some people aren't, because it's decreasingly likely that you're going to have everybody in a room or a space for a meeting. And I think that if the technology can be developed where everybody, perhaps not everybody in the physical space or office needs to wear the, uh, the goggles. I mean, maybe it's more like a holodecky kind of thing, um, you know, manifested in screens and AV systems, et cetera. But if I'm sitting at home, it looks exactly the same to me. Maybe it's not avatars, maybe it's a, composite picture of what's actually there and then I'm part of it. I think that could be a real winning situation. I also think that just means more questions about how much physical space is used. If you believe that people are coming together to collaborate and suppose you developed a tool that where it 
you know, there was a reason to be in the office. If you wanted to be in the office, if you wanted to be in physical space and near physical people, but it was kind of like a big green screen room where, um, where then a person who was remote would have a very similar experience and he or she would be as participatory in the experience as the people in the office. I think that would be a real winner. And I believe that will be developed. And there have been predecessors to that. It's not so much the gaming derived meta metaverse that we see most commonly, it's more, it's been developed for the military and government simulations and university experiments where they have immersive environments that can be cloned virtually. I, I really think that could be a thing. Yeah. And I think with, I can say with certainty, it won't be you or me, me building it, but I think, you know, the, the ideas are pretty easy to understand, you know, making it real is another thing, but uh, no doubt there are lots of people working on these new ways of doing things. Right. I, I have no, no doubt in my mind because it's, it's possible. Um, there's no guarantee it's going to work or take off, but um, you know, I think something I mentioned, I think in an earlier podcast, Chris is, the big companies are behind this now, right? I mean, Microsoft, Facebook, you know, they, these companies are betting very heavily on these technologies. And when you have that kind of force behind it, um, I think the odds are far likely, likelier to the be, there'll be some success out of this as opposed to this coming out from startups we've never heard of. Agreed. And startups that have good technology are going to get swept up because this is clearly something where scale helps. Yeah, yeah, d definitely. So, you know, the, the, that space is really hopping right now. And I, I talked to private equity guys who were, you know, looking for, you know, looking for acquisitions, you know, and, and there's just such a broad landscape of this stuff. It's still no guarantee this is going to work. It's almost more like you're, it's, you know, FOMO, right? It's kind of like insurance to make sure at least you have, you know, a, a team on your, on your roster that can do this stuff. Uh, uh, you know, you don't want to be waiting till it's too late and uh, it kind of becomes standardized around a few big players. And if you're not in that ecosystem, then you, you cannot, uh, you will not be able to succeed. Well, in my fantasy world of having a grant or working at a company that would sponsor this, I would set a very basic goal to the project. I would say, the people in the physical space do not have to wear goggles, do not have to wear headset, and the people, the experience will be the same or as close as possible, whether you're there or not, and it'll be immersive in both cases. I would just set those two rules and say, go to town. Let's let's figure this out. This is my uh, my somewhat fantasy world of being uh, given a great project. That that would be it. <laughs> yeah, I'd sign up for that one. Well, you know, that, that, that raises an interesting point, and I think that might take us to where I want to go. The idea that, you know, so much of this is evolving, emerging, experimental, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, the innovations that come out of, into this new world are just as much driven by what happens in, on university campuses and R&D labs, right, than strictly just commercial from the ground up research right and so this is a world where i'm sure there's just as much interesting stuff going on in academia um and and uh you know these are new branches of i guess whatever you want to call it data science computer science but it's become so foundational now to how we do everything 
that uh, it's you know it, it, it's a discipline that's I don't think we ever could have imagined you know a few generations ago but it's driving so much of everything now yeah so per something we were talking about before the before the broadcast is it is it innovation or invention what do you think all of this yeah I, I think you know to me this is a one of those fundamental conversations you have about what it is that you're trying what it is you're trying to achieve and I think we are pretty conditioned to view uh, I don't know the bar as being set by innovation that because we hear so much about it you know from all the vendors and carriers and you know even my tribe of analysts you know well where are the innovations gonna come from and who's gonna lead the market and, and all that stuff and you absolutely have to have that and we see examples of innovation in every every aspect of these technologies and that's what makes it good I mean everything is about you know what do you gotta what do you gotta bring next and you know one of the bragging points you hear from a lot of the vendors you know uh, you know Cisco WebEx Microsoft Teams they talk about you know in you know 2021 we brought 300 new innovations and features and capabilities to the platform and it's it's almost like an arms race of who can add more and more things to make it richer and I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily convinced that more is better in that regard because um, it's like for example for the smartphones that we're so attached to uh, really how much more can you do with it I mean how far can you take this thing I, I, I think it's pretty tapped out I don't see anything that's missing or I don't see how you could really change the experience much more in its current form um, I think it's a very mature product and it's very good for what it does, but I'm not sure there's that much more you could add to it. I mean, it has come so far. There's always a new feature. There's always a new piece of technology. Like I do think, I do think foldable screens are coming that work better than the ones they've tried so far. I do think devices that kind of roll up like a scroll, things like that or fold, but that's more engineering than science. I think mm -hmm. at this point, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's just incremental improvements to make what you already have better, which is what innovation is. Uh, the, the the to me the, the you know the cousin to that is invention, um, which is often used very interchangeably, and uh, as we see in other you know areas of technology, terms kind of get mixed up a lot, which is fine. But um, you know, invention is is totally different, right? You know. The telephone was an invention, right? It was a better way of communicating and it was very different from the telegraph, but it was a superior development and it eventually displaced it. And that's another sign of an invention. And that, that gets you to the area of innovation versus disruption. But, um, you know, I think what, what I'm looking at now in some of my research is, is you know, I think there's more need for invention in this world because we have new capabilities that are opening up new ways of doing things. So, you know, to me, going from 4G to 5G or even 6G with wireless, that's innovation. We're just doing the same, but just faster and better and cheaper, which is fine. Again, that opens up new applications, yes. But, you know, invention is just doing something entirely new. And to me, metaverse is a form of invention, right? This this idea of going into the virtual world and these simulated 3D environments, 
we ne we have no precedent for that, right? Um, quantum computing to me is invention, right? This is doing stuff that existing models of computing aren't capable of doing. And then when you go down that road, it opens up entirely new areas. And this is where I talk get back to R and D, right? I mean, when you're researching existing problem sets with existing technologies, you'll get incremental changes. But I think, you know, like we've learned from COVID, you know, there, there's ways of attacking new problems in new ways. And that's, that's to me, is, is invention. We're, we're, we're creating new ways of, of approaching things, not just old problems, but new problems that we had no approach for or solution for before. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a three-stage process, right? You have you have um, scientific discovery, and then you have invention, and then you have innovation. Does that kind of match? Yeah, right, right. You got to start with something. Because if you look at classic inventions, I mean, we all love to talk, we both love to talk about telephones. I mean, that was, that was an invention for sure. But it was based on, you know, a set of scientific and understandings and breakthroughs that probably went back 70, 75 years before that, you know, the, all the classic electricity pioneers and Maxwell and electromagnetism and all of that. But uh, it, it was it was the first instantiation and it was it was derivative from the telegraph as well. But it, it was it was a breakthrough because it was a new it was a relatively new set of principles applied to a new need that was really a big need. Right. And that's what we see less of right now, but there's still a lot of core scientific research going on. And I would argue there are fields where we are going to see invention. It's, it's just been a lot of innovation uh, for some time now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think what gives rise to that is, is, you know, you, you, we've touched on this before too, is, you know, it, you, you'll probably be needing more public private partnerships. You'll probably need more, global cooperation if we're trying to solve things like climate change right i mean these are issues these are problems that we haven't we can't really solve with technologies and approaches that we have always used right i mean we couldn't have come up with a covid solution so quickly 20 years ago we just couldn't but the, with the tools we have today we we can right it's some of it's just a matter of scale just being able to compute things faster on a you know on, on, on a grander scale but um you know there's still as you say there's underlying science involved here and as we invent new capabilities new technologies that opens up new vistas for new forms of science and research and you know that kind of thing and that's where it gets really exciting but those are those are long-term plays right these things do not happen overnight no but i think they're poised to happen in several fields like um the, the interface between biology and technology, you know, the, the more familiar technology that we know. I think, I think in the world of medicine, as you say, in, in, and in the world of experience, as we've been talking about, we'll have to see. I mean, there's a lot, there are so many, and I guess this is kind of my, my, rep, my concluding thought on all of this is, I think one common theme in all of what we've been talking about today, today is that, I really believe that there are massive tides changing in the world, you know, on very big topics, many of whom, many of which we could name, one of it being the fundamental relationship of work to the economy and the nature of technology to work and all of that. 
and they, they don't move at lightning speed. The pandemic accelerated a lot of them, made some of them more easily visible. But, you know, one characteristic of times of great change is that some see it and some don't. It's not always easy to see because it's big and doesn't move all that fast necessarily, and you can't get your arms around all of it. But I do feel that that's the kind of period we're in right now for the good and the bad. And it's going to be interesting to see what turns out, but it's not going to be the same. Yeah, I, I agree, Chris. And just to tag on to that as a, as a takeaway, the, the elephant in the room we haven't mentioned yet is AI. And that is that is the big game changer. And, and we're still kind of in early innings with this stuff. But uh, as you say, it, over the next, you know, couple of, you know, decades, yes, these kind of profound innovations and inventions are going to start to show up in our everyday experiences and create new ones, etc. But, you know, the, the, the issues of, you know, as I say, climate change and our global population and feeding people and supply chains, there's so many things that when these, these new capabilities are applied, We'll, we'll certainly be able to, I think, sustain ourselves a little longer on the earth, but uh, I think it's going to open up all kinds of things. And so as a takeaway, folks, read science fiction. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, a lot of those ideas to think creatively and openly, openly about what's possible uh, is, 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 uh, is, is going to be a good way to kind of a, a lens to view these things on. And also the worlds that we talk about, Chris, with collaboration and future of work, return to the office. They're important issues for sure and there are a lot of vendors heavily invested in this space, yes, but um, you know the, these are bigger problems that we're talking about here where we're applying the same technology. So you know AI doesn't exist to make collaboration better, it's just one use case. And uh, yeah, so as a, as a takeaway it's, it's, I guess I'm being a little cynical, but don't settle on innovation as being the be-all and end-all. Right. I mean, we can innovate endlessly, but we're just on the same hamster wheel if we're not, you know, opening our eyes to what's possible. Totally agreed. My takeaway would be think about the road as well as the car. Right. So yeah. your car is moving, you're steering your car, you're thinking about your car, you're driving your car. But maybe the road's moving, too, which is unusual, but sometimes happens. Maybe the road is going in a different direction. Maybe it's a different kind of road and you don't necessarily see it when you're at a given moment and you're driving. But I really think in today's world, uh, the roads are moving, the earth's moving, the current's moving. It's not just you and, and not just immediately what's around. Well said, but I'm gonna keep driving my car. Me even too. With, even with the price of gas where it is. <laughs> and I'm gonna keep an eye on the road as always. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, good, good stopping point for today. So we are at time, folks, so we'd like to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you'll continue with us as we explore the future of work here on Watch This Space. Uh, you can access all of our episodes at www.watchthisspace.tech or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, great. Leave us a review. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to hear your thoughts on maybe future topics we could address. And with that, I am John Arnold. And I'm Chris Fine. Thanks for listening. As always, we appreciate you, the audience. John, it's always great to talk to you. And uh, we will see you back again next month with Watch This Space.